Welcome back to Brailcast, connecting the dots for blind people everywhere. And coming up this month, we have included PDF support. We've added the ability for you to back up your settings. Uh, we now have the ability to create a note uh, from anywhere in, in your Keysoft Lite environment. We've also added the ability now to hide the power on off option. And we've added the options command. We've improved the way that you can switch between Braille tables. We've also added new file folders that are created by default. We've also introduced a government mode. And then in addition, we've got localization. Firmware version 1.1.1 for the Brilliant BI20 and 40X, Chameleon 20, Mantis Q40, and other related Braille products has just been released. We catch up with Humanware to find out the latest. You don't have to have been in the blindness community very long to have come across Humanware and their two flagship brands, Victor Reader and BrailleNote. Indeed, on the second episode of this podcast, we talked extensively about the BrailleNote Touch, which has since been succeeded by the BrailleNote Touch Plus. BrailleNote isn't the company's only line of Braille product, though. In 2003, thanks to an agreement with Baum, Humanware launched its Brilliant line of refreshable Braille displays. A Braille input keyboard was added in 2011, and now, 10 years on, the stakes have been raised still further with the launch of their most recent innovation, the Brilliant BI20X and BI40X. The 20-cell and 40-cell displays have been shipping since mid-February, and a significant software update was released towards the start of May. Software version 1.1.1 also applies to the Mantis Q40 and Chameleon 20, which were released last summer and manufactured by Humanware in partnership with the American Printing House for the Blind. To discover more about this exciting new range of Braille displays and the new software update, we're joined by Humanware's Andrew Flatris, Braille Product Manager, and Martin Roberts, Blindness Product Specialist for the UK. I started by asking Andrew to describe the Brilliant BIX range of Braille displays. So the Brilliant BIX series, um, and we call it the BIX series, is because we're celebrating the 10th uh, anniversary of Brilliant BI. Humanware's been a supplier of, of Braille displays for, for many years, uh, we've had the, the the Brilliant, and then we had the Brilliant BI series, and BI for the for the Braille input. And many people uh, really loved our previous um, Brilliant BI display. Um, they loved the, the the crisp, clear Braille cells. Uh, they loved the, the the quality of it. They loved the keys. Um, and but of course, at some point, we needed needed to refresh that, right? I mean, as as all technology evolves, we needed to refresh our Braille displays. And people want more from, from Braille nowadays. Like any other product that we buy off the shelf, people want to do more with it. We want to have make it easier for ourselves, whether it's at home or whether it's from a productive point of view. We always look to buy a new product or a new gadget to see how that's going to benefit us. And so what we've introduced in our BIX series is intelligence. It's You could say it's a hybrid between what a note taker and a Braille display is. So not only can our Braille displays connect to screen readers as you would use a Braille display, but it has some productive tools that have been built into it. And part of those productive tools is um, the thanks to our Humanware flagship accessibility software called Keysoft Lite. And many of you may have known about Keysoft many years ago with the Apex, the Braille Notes, and all our Braille 
brown note takers. So we've actually adapted a lighter version to it. Um, now, that is key to hear about this, about the lighter version, because it's not a full-fledged note taker. We just know that people want a braille display not only just to connect to a screen reader to do all their heavy lifting tasks, but in some cases, they may be out on the road. They may be in a meeting. They want to quickly write some notes. They want to check time. They want to um, read the enjoyment. You know, we, we look at that kind of stuff. And I'll touch base on that in, ju in just a moment. So um, BIX series was launched in January and it comes in two different flavors. We have a 40X. Uh, so that's a 40 cell um, braille display and it has command keys. So we have three keys to the left, three keys to the right, very much like the predecessor Brilliant. We have the Perkins keyboard above the braille display and below the braille display, we have two space bars. And we've actually done some uh, differences into the space bar, and that's from customer feedback. Um, all of our development products or products that have been developed, we, we do listen to our customers. We have a lot of focus groups. And one of the, the questions uh, or points that came out of that was the key, the keys themselves. You know, the actual space bar was slightly different to the Perkins keys on the predecessor. So we've made some significant differences there. Um, of course, we have our humanware signature phone keys at the very front, and we have an additional button at the, the front edge, which is a round button, and uh, it would take you to the to the main menu or will exit you from uh, a connected screen reader. Um, but the device itself is you know, has got intelligence built in. So the 40X has 32 gigabytes of internal storage. Uh, plenty to you know, download books or save files, create files um, onto your device. Um, it's powered by USB-C. So we've gone away from that micro uh, USB-C connector. Uh, I think all future products, for, for certainly for the Braille products in, in that case, uh, is going to be USB-C. So uh, it's a great thing that it doesn't matter which way that you plug it, it will, it will go in and uh, less of a risk of, of breaking that connector. Um, so that's on the left edge. We also have a USB socket uh, slave that you can plug in your USB thumb drive. So very versatile Braille display if you want to move um, files to and from the device. Um, what is unique is that we offer Bluetooth 5 and with Bluetooth 5 comes Wi-Fi uh, support as well. And I'll come on to that in just a moment of what what that means of having Wi-Fi, but Bluetooth 5, this is the first Braille display to adopt one of the latest Bluetooth technology. We see that, you know, in many cases, we try to go away from cables, right? I mean, we, we don't like to have loads of cables around our desks. And, um, you know, we want to make sure that connectivity is, is critical with our devices. We don't want your device to let you down when you need it the most. So Bluetooth 5 is one of the best of, um, in terms of Bluetooth out there. It's two times faster than the, the, the 4.2 and it's capable of, of a four times the distance over the previous Bluetooth technology. And although that's not a typical use case here, um, you know, one, one thing would bear in mind if you're in an office space or at home, you could actually have your, your laptop upstairs closed in a desk or in a drawer somewhere that's turned on, but still use it downstairs or within a good range. Um, so that's that's certainly one particular use case, but I understand it's not a, a typical use case, but it's it's still, we want to make sure that that connection is the best for you. It's all, it's all about the strongest, the most stable connection, really, at the, at the moment, um, I think, to the, to the, um, 
to the device that you're controlling and not letting you down. Yeah, and it's there are use cases that will come up, I think, that we didn't even think about, you know? Like, so I was thinking about doing presentations in the wild. You know, I've been asked to go to a big uh, mainstream church conference in October and deliver a seminar. And I was thinking, yeah, well, you know, I'll need a clicker to move the slides on to the next one. And actually, I won't because I could Bluetooth it to my laptop. I'm going to have a remarkably strong connection between my laptop and my Braille display. I'll be able to read the notes of the presentation on the Braille display and move the slides on. And I don't have to worry about, oh, well, is the laptop close enough to the Braille display? So there's all sorts of really good uses for this really you know, powerful Bluetooth. And it's amazingly future proof as well, isn't it? That that is the plan. I mean, with Bluetooth five, it opens up doors to the internet over things. Um, you know, connecting to other uh, smart devices, and um, so yes, yeah, certainly in terms of a future ready product, the forty is well equipped for for um, some interesting things on the horizon, shall we say? Um, but further than that, from Bluetooth five and the Wi-Fi capabilities, which I'll mention in a moment, we also have speakers. We have stereo speakers, which are not active at this stage okay so we do have stereo speakers that are that are on board but they're not activated and to the right edge of the display we do have an audio jack with volume keys and again audio at this stage uh, or any kind of audio is not activated so i'm sure many of your listeners will think wow okay so what does that mean um so of course it means that audio will be coming at some point um so that's inevitable it will be happening we've got the capabilities the hardware is there um and uh, we hope to get that at some stage um, later in the year, you know, audio support of some kind. I think there's also a microphone jack there as well, isn't uh, A microphone uh, built in. Well reminded, yeah. On the 40X, yeah, you have got a microphone built in as well. So again, uh, again, it's not active, but, um, you know, imagine a typical use case is that you would, you're in a meeting, perhaps you want to record that meeting and you could then play that back. So at some stage, we will activate all those audio capabilities um, hopefully later in this year um, but yeah going back to the wi-fi uh, which again is new when it comes to a braille display right i mean there's i can't think of any that braille display that actually has a an onboard wi-fi and there's two parts of wi-fi um, there's of course when we introduce a firmware update so when you do get a new firmware update which we'll come to obviously we've just released a new firmware update a couple of days ago um, you'll be able to download that firmware. So there's no need to connect it to a PC or download a special file, although that is an option. Um, you can actually uh, download the firmware. You'll get a notification to say there is now a new update available and you can proceed and, and download that. The second part of that is reading books from online participating libraries. Um, so there is libraries that we have embedded into our device. Um, these include Bookshare, NFB Newsline, uh, NLS Bard, the Braille, Braille books. Uh, and again, I'm sure we'll come on to those some questions about what about the RNIB reading services and other books and other libraries and so on. We have to start somewhere, right? We have to start somewhere. Can I, can I, just, can I just point out that, sorry, Andy, but Bookshare is available. A lot of people don't think about Bookshare in the UK, but you can shine up to sign even up to Bookshare as an international member for about £70 a year, something in that region. And I think it gives you access to about 780,000 titles when I last looked on the Bookshare website. So that is actually an option for, for UK um, users if they want to you know, go that route to get books, download books in Braille now. I just wanted to bring that one up because I think it's important. We kind of forget that sometimes. Definitely. It is available in very many, many countries, in fact. And yeah, you're right. 
if you're not a US citizen, then of course you have to pay a subscription. Um, so it, it's certainly worthwhile. There's a, as, as mine said, a lot of books there that you can download. And, and, and coming to that, actually, again, it looks at one of those hurdles, one of those hurdles that we face when we connect a Braille display to a, uh, to a, a laptop or an iPhone or an Android phone. We have to deal with third party applications. And in some cases, those third party applications are a hurdle for some users. They become impossible to use. They just get frustrated from using it. Um, so why not have the direct contact between some of these books in our device? So that takes away that that whole sort of stress and hurdle of having to deal with another application that potentially could change. So with this device, uh, the 40 and the 20X, you can actually connect to these libraries, search for books or authors and download them. And within moments, you'll have them straight available in Brow at your fingertips. Um, so really, really um, excited about those enhancements. Uh, but coming on to, well, what about the RNIB reading services and, and other libraries, right? I know that's a question you're dying to ask me, Matthew. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and so reading services, but also, you know, there are other libraries that people might want access to. There's the Seeing Ear and there's the Education Collection from Bookshare in the UK. You know, what's the what's that process like? And, you know, how soon can we start to see some of those UK libraries, reading services and others on the platform? Yeah, it, it's a good question. And many Many of my UK contacts and friends here are asking the same question to me. When are we going to get this? So um, it's it's going to happen. I want to assure you it will happen. Certainly when we look at the RNIB reading services, we have, we've had previous discussions with the RNIB about this. And um, we are working towards including that in our device. Um, I can't give you a time frame, Matthew. I'd like to say next month, this year, I'd love to. But unfortunately, I can't give you a time frame. It is something that we will add um i'm hoping it's going to be this year I can, I can give you that information i'm hoping it's going to be this year um and um the, the one of the challenges from a development side of things is of course the rnib reading services they they of course went away from the daisy side of things they they, they went and did their own kind of um library services away from the daisy so that means there's a significant amount of effort from our side to include that now so it's not as if we can just connect to Daisy and we can access all these libraries. It's not, not that simple. So it's slightly different on how we have to develop. Um, it would have been far more easy if they stayed on that, on that course, if they stayed with the, the Daisy side of things. Um, but unfortunately they, 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 they went away from that and we have to adapt to that. So, um, yeah. Sure. So, so that's interesting. Um, because they, the audiobooks are still in Daisy. And my understanding was that reading services was working off the bookshare platform you know behind the scenes it was working off the benetech platform so some people who know that information would sort of be saying well yes but i mean if you support bookshare then surely it wouldn't be that hard to support reading services because you could just sort of you know change the endpoint and and make that work surely i think it's a different it's a different api completely to the bookshare uh, my understanding i may be wrong um don't quote me on that but uh, from previous discussions I, I believe it is differently the reading services part um, but we we have evaluated the work, and uh, as I said, we are hoping to include that later this year. I'd love to say this year. Um, I know that many customers are you know dying to include this. But remember that if you do have those books available on your SD card or USB stick, 
you can in fact open them up on our device because we do have a daisy reader we have a, an application called victor reader that will allow you to play back um certain file formats including the you know the daisy files um of course daisy text not daisy audio at this point uh inevitably once we get audio potentially daisy audio will uh, will become available and you can also open brf files there can't you so for example if you've got the sd card from the orbit reader um and you pop that sd card into a brilliant bi20x and i do say the 20x because the 40x doesn't have an sd card uh, slot in it but were you to put that sd card in or were you to transfer the contents of that card from you know from the card to a usb stick to put in the 40x then all of those brf files will work on those on, on the brilliant displays won't they correct i mean we talk about the versatile of this display it supports many file formats um you know including doc the docx um upcoming well the version just released pdf brf brl txt so many many files and the great thing is that you can transfer them so you mentioned on the 40x we do have a usb but we don't have an sd card socket with the 20x you have both you do have a you do have the sd card and you have a, a usb socket but if you also connect it to your um laptop and use it as a screen reader with a screen reader you can also take advantage of the mass transfer protocol so you can actually transfer your files to and from the device while your screen reader is active and that's quite unique as well yeah and you can do it both at the same time like you don't have to put it into a special mass storage mode or what have you you can be using the braille display and have braille up on the display from your screen reader as long as it's connected by usb and and it will work it doesn't show up as a drive though does it it um, certainly doesn't for me it shows up as like um it shows up as a camera so i went into run and started typing you know d colon e colon f couldn't find it had to go into the file explorer and actually find it under you know where cameras show up media drives yeah correct so there's um, there's quite a lot to unpack in there. Um, full disclosure, as you've probably worked out by now, I've got one, and um, and I, I really like this. I've got the the bi forty x. Before I got it, I thought, yeah, it's it's like the old brilliant. It's gonna it's gonna look like a brilliant. It's really interesting because when I got it, I sort of thought, oh, it looks a bit like a braille note touch, but small. You know, it's made out of plastic. It's got the braille note touch. Um, style thumb keys on it. You know that the outer thumb keys are a bit smaller than the inner thumb keys, so it's not, it's not quite like the old brilliant. But I mean, it's remarkably rugged. You know, I'm, I, you know, it, it doesn't look like it's going to crack anytime soon, and and it's remarkably light. And actually, when you get to using it, it it looks very similar. You know, when when you actually start pressing commands on it, it looks very similar to the old brilliant, doesn't it? It feels, yeah, it does feel and and look very similar um as you're using it and it also feels similar to as you've suggested you know it, it's made of a, um i'd say a more rugged uh, polycarbonate than the touch to be honest it's it's a newer uh, it's a newer kind of uh, enclosure that we're using um but it's um what i would say is it we want people to feel at home if they're going in the education if you're moving from a touch to a braille display we want you to have the, an experience that you'll recognize and it, it's a familiarity between the products that we have and i think it's important to bring that into into our product line because it means people will feel comfortable moving from one to another and it also means you know from a from a site from a site perspective when you're looking at a product it can look good as well and and people will recognize our, our you know the human wear identity from that 
And also that's from a software side as well. So if you've used the Braille Note Touch, you'll you'll note that you know there's a context menu in all the applications like you'd have on a Touch or a Touch Plus. And it'd be very simple for someone who's moving maybe from an Apex or something similar to, to go to one of these displays that isn't just the Braille display, that is a hybrid, you know, of all these things. Yeah, I was just going to say, you seem to have got that right. When I moved from the Apex to the Touch, um, it felt very different. And it felt like, although it was Keysoft, there was so much different about it that actually the, the learning curve, it was almost kind of like learning a new system. But I didn't feel like that about moving from the Apex to the the, the, the Keysoft Lite in the, the BI40X. It felt like I was coming home almost. I mean, there were changes and it, it, it's got some... Braille Note touch elements in it, but I think Apex users will be a lot less um, put off if, if they wanted to move to the 40X or the 20X. Yeah, it, it's certainly when we look at the, from from when we initially, from the Apex to the Braille Notes, we went from a complete change of platform, right? From a Windows CE to an Android. Um, so that really uh, support a lot of challenges and we had to make some changes to adapt to the that type of platform. Um, but the idea behind this, all of this is, is you know, the Keysoft Lite theme is, is to allow this ecosystem if that if you are used to a Braille product from humanware, then you can easily transition to one from another. That, that, is, that is the plan. A bit like what I guess, you know, if you're an Apple user, you can go from an iPhone to an iPad to a Mac and, um, you know, you'd, you'd be in that ecosystem, you, you'll feel comfortable. And, and that's Again, one important part of this is that you're comfortable using the product because there's there's products out there, and I'm not talking about just brow products, but there's a lot of technology out there, and it's no good to someone in someone's hand if it's complex to use, if it's really difficult, you know, the interface. So I'd like to say that with what we've got in here, the Keysoft Lite is a really intuitive interface. Yeah, and I think the comparison with iPhones and Macs is actually quite a good one. If you've used VoiceOver on an iPhone and you've used VoiceOver on a Mac, you'll know that they're not quite the same. There are things that work slightly differently, but you can pick up a Mac having used an iPhone for five or six years and be able to use VoiceOver and, and know what you're doing and be able to sort of work through the few differences. And I think that's the same um, on the, the, the BIX range. I wonder if we could unpack the editor a bit more because this is really where I think Keysoft Lite uh, comes into its own. You presumably can't load Word documents into this and and create you know nicely formatted Word documents and save them out as Word and you know you, you can do this on the touch, but I guess you can't do that on the BIX. Well, the, the whole idea with this and and we look at well, what is a Braille display you know, initially used for? And of course, it's to use it with your computer or screen, you know, a screen reader. And that's where most of all of your heavy lifting is going to going to be, is using it with that screen reader with Microsoft Word or, or, or you know, another screen reader. Google Docs. Yeah, Google Docs. So what we've what we've got, we have got an editor on board and it would allow you to open DOC files, DOCX files, and you can create files and it will automatically strip any formatting out and will save as a txt file so it will automatically use the onboard brow translation so that's another thing we do have we've got onboard brow translation so as you're typing it's translating into into a text and that, that is duxbury as well so we haven't skimped on that you know duxbury is about the, the gold standard really so i want to be you know that's important yeah so it allows just then to open up 
I've said various different files, it strips to the formatting and allows you to read that in brown. Of course, there are going to be some limitations in terms of file size. Remember, this is not designed for the heavy lifting inside the device. All that heavy lifting will be done through the screen reader. So you can um, you know, open up documents and you can read them and edit them. Um, I will say that if, you, if it's a larger file and there is a certain threshold, um, then open those types of files within the Victor Reader because you're just reading. Okay, so in the Victor Reader, we do allow for a greater file size that you can read. But when it comes to editing, there is some uh, file size limitations on that. Um, but as I said, it's it's the hybrid approach and it's great for your note taking. And then for the more heavy lifting, that's where you would transfer your documents over to your PC and do all the heavy lifting and, and formatting on, on, on that. I mean, I mean, just a quick presse of the editor as you wanted to unpack, well, you know, the file size, you can uh, like write a text file up to, I think, two meg in size. That's a TXT file. Now, that is a lot of text. I remember, you know, going back and using floppy disks at school um, and the amount of books you can get on a, you know, on a, you know, like a 1.5 or 1.4 floppy is tremendous. So it really is a lot of, you know, a huge text file that would be a TXT. Yeah, it'd be a massive novel. I mean, Harry Potter in text is is less than two megabytes, isn't it? One Harry Potter book is less than two megs. A lot, it's a lot less. Yeah, quite a lot less. I mean, so you could write a novel on it if you wanted to. I wouldn't suggest you maybe did, but there are things on there that will help you. You've got find, find and replace, find previous, find next. You can cut, copy, and paste blocks of text. And you've got just a couple of little things to remind you of the apex. Um, you've got your kind of insert date and time, and there's auto scroll as well uh, in the reader and, and and I think and in the editor. So, you know, we have added some things to make it. Um, so, if someone did say, right, I want to write things down or in meetings and stuff, I want to write good a good, you know, if I want to write, you know, 50, 100 pages, yeah, you can do that. Quite, you know, be our guest. It's when it comes to editing big files like Word files, a Word file. If if a word file is let's say two megabytes, there could be you know there could be a megabyte and a half of pictures in that word file, so we can't open that. So what we will then do is we'll say we'll open that in the uh, Victor Reader application for you. Okay, so yeah, there are some limitations as to the size of file that you can open in the editor. And and you mentioned about the formatting, and then that's something that has been raised. You know, um, is there any is there any plans to to introduce? Some kind of formatting, and an interesting one that was brought up was the markdown. The you know the ability to mark down um, within the editor, and that that again something that we will be continuing to look at. Yeah, and especially with UEB because you can do markdown in UEB really really well, um, and I, I indeed have done it. And uh, in the Brailcast archives, there's a whole podcast on how to create markdown in UEB. So that would be um, definitely a, a good thing to do. I mean, you can do it already. You'll just have to rename the file to .md from .txt, right? So ideally, we we just need an option that lets you save as .md. Yeah, sure. So when I first picked up this Brilliant, I got really excited because I thought, yeah, so we've got an editor here. This means that I can copy all of my Braille music library because I'm a, a musician. I can copy all my Braille music library onto the Brilliant and it's all in BRF because, of course, it's all Braille music. And I can open it up in the editor and I can adjust my music notes as I go along. You know, if there's a mistake in acquire practice, I can fix that and save it back out as a BRF and all will be right with the world. It's perhaps worth pointing out that that doesn't quite work because it seems like when you bring a BRF file into the editor, the editor will 
back translate it and convert it into text, uh, which makes complete sense. But what happens, you know, down the line? Are there are there any plans to bring in a BRF editor or to allow you to edit BRF files in the editor? Yes. Um, so yeah, in those situations, if it's a BRF file that you don't want to translate, for now, I'd say you, you'd open up in, in the Victor Reader app, so it won't offer you the offer you the translation option. Um, but if you, of course, want to edit a BRF file, then yes, some kind of BRF editor would need to be included. And again, it is something that is um, is in the pipeline. And I can see a use for that for maths in schools. You know, if um, you're just writing raw BRF, you could actually just write your maths stuff and then save it out as a BRF and put that into Duxbury. Some schools have done that in the past with displays. So there are there are we we have had calls for a, you know just a plain. BRF, you know, not not translating yeah. the Braille. And for teachers as well, right? Because they want to know that their students are writing the correct Braille. Although if you're teaching, perhaps you wouldn't be using a Braillean. But nonetheless, you know, it, it's perhaps worth having the feature in there. What about things like uh, Dropbox? If you can load, you know, Word documents into this thing to read and you've got Wi-Fi, I mean, the, the sky's the limit, right? Or maybe the cloud's the limit. <laughs> That's a great way of saying it. Yeah, the cloud is the limit. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the great thing with these products. They're, they're both really future-ready. So with the Wi-Fi capabilities, there is the possibility of something like that happening. I'm not going to say now on your, uh, on your podcast that it's going to happen. Um, but again, it's, it's something that we are you know, looking into. Uh, is it possible? I'm, I'm pretty confident it's possible. Um, does it make sense as well? So you know, exciting things with this product. That's the great thing. We can go to ve- many different directions. It's all about prioritizing them, uh, what the customer really wants. Um, so yes, it's something that could happen. We've talked a lot about the features on the Braille display itself and, and Keysoft Lite, and we've talked about plugging it in, and we've talked about Bluetooth. And what we haven't talked about a great deal is um using it with smartphones um which is one of the killer features because it supports bluetooth 5 you know there's all sorts of things you can do you can use as you say your smartphone from across the room or you know all sorts of things how well does that work in practice um as a user uh it works really well and one of the things it, it certainly works with apple ios at the moment so you're limited to ios at the moment uh, now I've got my uh, I've actually, I've got a braille display here. It's a Mantis. We'll go into that shortly. But I've got my list of devices here, and I can see um, my work phone, which is called J- um, Karai, uh, i.e. the Indian dish, and my home phone is called Jalfrazi. And I'm just going to tap on um, I'm going to tap on Karai, and I'm going to press a button on the braille display, and that just woke up my phone. Now th- this is a, a real big feature i think because what we can do is rather than you having to go and fetch your phone unlock your phone and kind of you can do things the opposite way around with this display so particularly if you're deaf blind and you want to access something on your phone or if you say you're using your pc and you want to switch to your phone um, it means you don't have to go and find your phone in order to start controlling it i think this is really important and i think we're the only displays even I think with, that can do this at the moment that are, that's on the market. Yeah, a couple of displays have been able to do it in the past. I don't know if they can still do it, but it's certainly not commonplace on displays to be able to wake your phone up. And and yeah, I mean, even simple stuff, if you're traveling and your phone's in your pocket or your phone's in your bag and you can't just get your phone out, 
you know, to be able to wake the phone up is is quite important. Um, it's perhaps worth just stressing that it is only waking it up. So presumably, you know, you'll then need to use Touch ID or Face ID or maybe enter a passcode. So can you do that from the display? Yeah. So I've got my um, I've got a mantis on the go actually at the minute, as I said. But if I tap on Karai again and I wake it up, use great. Now I'll do um, I'll do um, caps lock and H to press the home button. button. And it wants my passcode. Passcode field. I've just pressed it twice. Let's do that again. One passcode field. Yeah, I'm in the number Zero, tab, six, so I'll just type in my number. And Wrong passcode. I'll put my right passcode in. Never do a live demo. There we Pages. go. That's opened. Yeah. So it is possible to open up your phone with the Braille display, which you know, because you can use the passcode. Um, so it, it does make it pretty, pretty nice. And you can type that passcode in UEB, presumably, if you were on a... You can. You, you would use a number sign and you press enter once you've added the numbers that you you um, you, you, you want to enter. So you type the passcode. I guess it depends how you have your Braille set, whether it... Because you can change things with iOS about the way it inputs Braille. But generally, I have mine set so that the Braille entry, um, it doesn't enter a full word until I press the space bar so, or, or enter. So I would generally type my number sign, enter your code, and then press enter. And it will be space and H for the home command rather than caps H. Sure, that that all makes sense. So a logical next step then, I've got Braille paired to my phone and it's all working nicely. And I've got this Braille display, which has got speakers on it and the microphone and, and what have you. And my phone's in one room and my Braille display is in the next room. And well, it's got Bluetooth and speakers. So, I mean, why not just have the Brilliant uh, audio support you know why not why not have the bluetooth speakers of the you know you get what i'm trying to say don't you how is that on the roadmap at all well again yeah you've you've asked you've asked asking the questions that are actually have been already asked by many many users and things like that are being looked at is it on the roadmap um we we haven't sort of scaled it to see how how doable it is because we want to make sure it's it's a good user experience we don't want any buffering you know, from the audio side of things. But uh, yeah, it's something, again, that um, we could go down. And one particular place, uh, may I say, is one particular place that if you if you are a user of the Brilliant or you're interested in the Brilliant, we do have our own user user list. Um, and from that user list, actually, we, we get a lot of information um, of needs, people's needs. But, but also we, we are looking at... Um, future beta testers, which will be going to will soon make a, an announcement on that list. So um, if you are interested in joining our user list for the Brilliant BIX series, um, then send in a blank email to Brilliant, B-R-A-I-L-L-I-A-N-T, Brilliant uh, hyphen B-I hyphen X hyphen users, U-S-E-R-S, and then plus subscribe at groups.io if you um, don't get all of that in in one go after listening to the podcast then you can of course email us at humanware live at humanware.com so if you uh, can't subscribe somehow you can just send us another email to humanware live at humanware.com and uh, we'll help you out and we'll we'll put a, a link to all of that in the show notes Martin, you said that you were using Amantis, which is not a product that we've talked about, but is another product that Humanware sells. Um, and it seems to me to be very similar to the Brilliant, but what are some of the key differences between the Brilliant and the Mantis? 
So the Mantis is, it runs on a similar platform to the Brilliant BIX series. It's kind of branded in a different way and things appear differently, you know, arrayed in the menus. And, um, but the main feature of the Mantis is it's a QWERTY keyboard rather than a Braille keyboard. So you've got a 40 cell Braille display um, with a, a really nice, uh, I think anyway, uh, keyboard like a laptop sized keyboard so some of the functions you would need to use your fn key uh, to activate for example um you know uh, home would be fn left arrow end would be fn right arrow uh, page up fn page up page down fn page down so some things because it is you know we've got to fit a keyboard into a compact um kind of device and it only weighs you know kind of around the 780 gram mark so it's it's nice and light um and the nice thing about this is that, you know, especially I was using it with an iPhone, but when you're using it with an iPhone, Apple's notorious for their um, Braille entry and it's, um, you know, idiosyncrasies, I'd like to say. Um, so it doesn't always translate as you'd expect. So if you're using a Braille keyboard to enter information into your iPhone, you don't have to go through Apple's Braille translation if you're using that QWERTY keyboard. It's also great if you're someone who's maybe losing your vision and on that Braille journey, um, maybe you're moving from something like an orbit to, to another display, but you find that you like reading Braille, but you want to use that QWERTY input because you're comfortable with that. That's what you know already, you know? Or maybe you're someone uh, with uh, who wants Braille output and you know, you're, you've got, you're using something like Supernova or Fusion to get that, um, that visual element of your of your screen reader but so you're more comfortable just using a qwerty keyboard yeah and i mean it means you don't have to have your laptop your your keyboard and your braille display connected you know it taking up two usb ports and two devices to worry about and you know you've just got this one device that plugs in on one port and does dual function and that could be quite useful for some people but it doesn't have audio support does it it doesn't know. Uh, there's no microphone and no speaker on this display. Um, one one use case that is quite handy is for people who maybe like who people who maybe in, in a wheelchair and they want to be able to control their laptop via Bluetooth and their um, you know with a with a standard keyboard and and uh, their iOS device. It's not always easy to get to those devices. So having one keyboard that kind of one keyboard to rule them all, as it were, you know, taking a Lord of the Rings thing, um, which you can connect, as, you know, up to you know five Bluetooth and one USB device, can be really handy. And one cool thing about it is, if your screen reader crashes, whichever it may be, that the keyboard part still keeps working on on a pc so you can start your fresh screen reader without having to make that trip back to the pc which we've had to do you know for braille input where display crashes so we've talked a lot about the braille displays that are on the market the big news for this week uh, as we record this is that a new software update has been released we talked about being able to update the brilliant and the indeed the mantis over wi-fi earlier on in the interview and that process works remarkably well. I, I did it yesterday and um, the, the, it just happened. You know, it downloaded the software, it installed it, it restarted and version 1.1.1 came up. And uh, the first thing I noticed was that the beeps changed. But uh, <laughs> presumably uh, that's not the only difference between version 1.0 and version 1.1. Well, that's news to me about the beeps change, <laughs> Matthew. I wasn't aware of that myself. Yeah, slightly higher pitch. I have it turned on to vibrate, so... I don't need the beeps, so we'll check it out, though. 
<laughs> Definitely. Uh, well, yes. So 1.1.1 uh, is now available. And so you can download it, as you said, Matthew, from directly from the, uh, the Wi-Fi connection, or you can download the install file from our, from our support page. So included in the 1.1.1 version, we have included PDF support. So uh, amongst all the ever common file formats that we support, PDF has now made its way into, into our devices. And that will allow you to open up um, the PDF and it extracts all the text from that file into your device that you can then read that file in Braille. So that's the first one. The second part is quick notes. Uh, we now have the ability to create a note uh, from anywhere in, in your Keysoft Lite environment. So uh, you could be, um, let's say, reading the book and you just want to uh, write a quick note. We now give you that, that option. So there's a, a, a global shortcut that, we can in, that we've introduced on both the, the Braille 40, the Brilliant 20 and uh, 40, but also the Mantis as well. So these two features do come included in the Mantis as well. The second one is um, we've improved the way that you can switch between Braille tables. So what's great about these devices is that you can actually set up your own contracted Braille, contracted and computer Braille for anyone that uses computer Braille. Um, now, you, you can seamlessly switch between your Braille tables uh, between two now. Before, you'd have to switch between three. And, and more than likely, if you're in the UK, you probably don't use may not use computer braille, so that would get in the way. So what we have done now is introduced a way that you can switch between uncontracted and contracted. Really useful if you're, if you're learning, learning braille, you wanna learn contracted braille, you wanna switch between what it looks like in contracted and uncontracted, you can now do that a bit more easier. Uh, we've also introduced a government mode. Now the government mode is a new mode, which is upon request. This isn't available to users with the device now. It's something that we have made available uh, from uh, purchase, from the point of purchase. And you know, we know the importance of providing assistive technology in environments where security is a priority, you know, in the government side of things. And so we feel that it's very important to have such a mode where it completely removes Bluetooth, it removes Wi-Fi, it removes internal capabilities, and just allows you to connect it as a Braille display using USB only. So that is available upon request on, on the ordering. And then in addition, we've got localization. So uh, many, many uh, European countries are really excited about these devices and we've introduced uh, other languages. Just a couple more things I can think of because it is a quite a decent size, a decent update. Um, we've added the ability for you to back up your settings for the display uh, onto uh, an SD or memory stick, which would be handy if you uh, maybe uh, want, you know, had to send a display back for service. Um, it doesn't back up the Bluetooth uh, um, pairings because that will depend on the Bluetooth chip on the device itself, but it will back up all your other settings. And that's, that's really handy. Um, we've also added the ability now uh, within the Brilliant range of displays, not the Mantis, but within the Brilliant range to hide the um, we've also been able to hide applications from the main menu. So you might want to, you might not want the file manager. You might not want the um, calculator. You might just want to see um, terminal, which is where we connect to devices and editor. But you can now hide the power on off option because you can access that with a hardware key. And we've added the options command, which has a shortcut. And that makes it better for school environments, probably where, you know, it's easy to... Uh, 
start pressing things when so sometimes the bare minimum is is better for people so to customize that environment we've just made we just added a couple of options to that as well um just to touch on from a user point of view the pdf files um you can open um i've opened harry potter goblet of fire that took about 50 seconds to pass i think something like that um so that's quite a large book for anyone who's read that um and so i was i think that's really quite impressive for a display like this you know i remember you know used to open a pdf and it used to take you know if you wait for a, a large pdf to pass into text that can take a long time even on a pc and the other thing that i think is quite important to know about the uh, the quick note session is that if i might to do this yesterday i was working in a document in word somebody called me and i've worked out that if i just press the home button once then uh backspace within i'm straight into a quick note so that's the home button on my braille display so if you're even on the pc in a screen reader two button presses will get you into a note i can see myself using that a lot because at the moment i have to kind of go into notepad and then I find that I've got 20 notepads open and I'm not quite sure which notepad's got which note in it. And yeah. Yeah, so just hit the home key, um, backspace N or control alt N on a Mantis and you're in a note. So I guess it just opens it up like a, a normal document, I guess, right? Yep. So actually, if I write a note and then I decide actually this note's turning into a bit more than a note, I could just carry on. I don't have to copy and paste that into the editor to carry on, you know, creating a document from it. I can just carry on writing. Yeah, you can just do control. You can just do uh, space and S or control S or use your context menu to save it. I mean, I can see it again in presentations. I can see myself in a situation where I'm in a PowerPoint presentation and you, you can do alt tab on the Braille keyboard and you can alt tab to a Word document and you can take notes, but you don't really want to do that because that might affect what's on the screen and, you know, yada, yada, yada. But someone's asked me a question and I need to follow up on the answer to that question and email them to be able to come out of PowerPoint on the Braille display, quickly type a note and then go back into PowerPoint to start controlling my slides again. You know, to me, that's really quite a nice feature to have so if you wanted to do if you wanted to go back and do another quick note that would start a new note it's not like you'd have to do it multiple times so what you do in that workflow would be to uh, write your note control s enter because that would save it with the you know the default name and then go back into so control uh, sorry um space and s isn't it i'm thinking about mantis here so it'd be space s then just go pop back into your um into your PowerPoint. And if you wanted to create a fresh note, you just do um, backspace and then again for a, a fresh note. As long as you save them every time, um, that, that will that will work fine. We've also added new file folders that are created by default. So we just used to have books, I think, on there and online. Now we've got documents, um, update, I think release notes is there as well. That's not filled at the moment, but for future versions of the software, when you download your um, new version of the firmware, release notes will be there for all previous versions of firmware. I love reading release notes and bug fixes. It's just something that, you know, I don't know, from using shareware as a kid, I kind of got into that. Yeah, and sometimes there'll be really obscure bugs and you think, oh, they're not going to talk about this bug having been fixed because it's so obscure that no one else in the world will have had it. But it's nice to read the release notes and go, yeah, that was a bug and it is now fixed in my particular use case. So it's good to have that information available. I wanted to talk about government mode very briefly because you said that that was only available at the point of purchase. What happens though, if I've say got this Braille display through access to work, I'm working in an environment where 
I'm quite happy to use the full feature set of the Braille display. And then I change jobs and I go to work for a bank and the bank say, no, you can't take your Braille display with you because it's got Bluetooth and Wi-Fi and all of this stuff and it's not secure. Um, do I have to buy a whole new Braille display just to get government mode or can I send it back to you and can you retrofit that? Well, I guess in those situations, right, um, um, I mean, you look at it the other way around. If you had a government mode, can you then release uh, the government mode and allow it to have the full standard mode? Uh, again, that is that opens the, the security risk, right? I mean, someone could phone up and say, oh, I've, I've been approved that I can have um, unlock this device. Unfortunately, it's, it's not going to be possible um, it, to, to do any of that. So in that situation, Matthew, yeah, uh, it would be that you'd have to buy a new device purposely for the government mode because we not only do the software there's also you know disabling that bluetooth and the wi-fi side of things um that's a component level sure so, yeah so there are hardware changes that you that you make to make sure that somebody can't hack the braille display and uh, undo some of the security that you've put into it which makes a lot of sense actually now you've said it exactly i mean the sd card the usb are not going to be you know for, for thumb drives are not going to be accessible um, so we want to make sure that the government mode is protected. And, and the only way to do that is to really lock it down. Well, this has been a fabulous interview. And thank you very much for coming on the podcast and talking to us about these new Braille displays. Just a couple of things I'd like to finish off with. First of all, these displays are not cheap. They are £2,595, excluding VAT, for example, for the 40-cell model. And normally I would be saying, well, you need to go to a Site Village exhibition or something and actually get one of these devices in your hand to actually tell that it's the right one for you before you go out and buy it. So given that we're in the middle of a pandemic and there isn't any site villages at the moment, uh, what do people need to do? Uh, what are humanware doing to get the products into people's hands before they actually commit to buying one? Well, we've run quite a successful um, campaign um, where we've been loaning units to people if they if they give us a credit card number and we've been loaning them for um you know generally a couple of days and then we're picking them up and then couriering them so that's been quite successful and you know we don't just send one out to anyone you know we make sure that people are really interested first we don't just want to start sending stuff out all over the country because we've only got a couple of demo units of each thing to send around so you know we've, that's been very successful but for people who are really you know kind of sure we've we've um Always, we've had divide by, which is paying over kind of you know a year, which has been successful over twelve months. But we, we've now increased our um, money back guarantee to forty five days, which I think is probably longer than anybody else. So um, you know, if someone can buy one, try one, and then send it back for a full refund. We'll we'll deal with the courier costs and everything. So effectively, it's almost like a free trial. If you don't like it, we give you your money back. But we are we are we are looking to go back to doing. You know, physical demos, if people, you know, some people like a physical demo. Some people need that physical demo. Maybe they're, they're new with Braille displays. So everyone works differently, you know. And uh, and just to reiterate what Martin was saying about the, you know, the uh, demo in the equipment, it's been a big challenge from humanware to, to, to really get our Braille products out there in people's hands. Because when people do like to buy a Braille display of some kind, 
it's the tactile. It, they, they need to physically touch the device to see if it's right for them. And that's really important from, for me as the brow product manager, I want to make sure that these brow products are going into people's hands and they're happy with, with the product. Well, that is certainly very reassuring to hear that the legendary humanware customer service is alive and well. And very finally, before we finish, there's a lot more information on the Humanware website, I guess. And I would encourage people to do that because there are differences between the 20X and the 40X. And we've talked a lot about the 40X, but, you know, the, the 20X has an SD card where the 40X doesn't. And the 20X has a mono speaker and the 20X has slightly less uh, storage. So where do people go if they actually want the spec sheets and if they want information on the price and how to order and all that sort of thing? Is it is it just the Humanware website for that? Yep. Um, the Humanware website will be the place to go and you can call us on um, 01933 415 800 as well. That's 01933 415 800. The website is www.humanware, H-U-M-A-N-W-A-R-E.com. Um, and if you want to email us, it's eu.sales at humanware.com. Uh, there's also another way to find out about the displays, if you, maybe if it meets your needs or any of our products, and maybe it's, you want to look at all our how-to guides. Uh, there's an app available on Apple and Android called HWBuddy, B-U-D-D-Y, and it's a free app, and it contains videos, it contains webinars, it contains um, a searchable library of um, how-to guides. You can create um, learning curriculums for your students if you're a teacher or set yourself uh, learning go through the learning levels for for, for our devices and it's uh, been very well received this application and, and we've got literally thousands of users around the world using it now so um, I, you know you can always take a look at that for nothing as well martin roberts blindness product specialist for the uk at humanware bringing to a close that conversation about their new range of braille products also with me was andrew flattress braille product manager and if you'd like to find out more information about the braille products you can of course visit humanware.com a reminder that to join the brilliant bix users list you can send a blank email to brilliant bi x hyphen users plus subscribe at groups.io you can also email humanware live at humanware.com in addition to the contact details that martin gave out a little earlier and all of this information and more including the link to the humanware beta test application which has now gone live will be in the show notes at brailcast.com don't forget tomorrow, Tuesday the 18th of May at 7.30pm, we'll be joined at the Braillists Foundation by Steve Nutt to give a presentation on using Braille on Android. You can register for that at braillists.org forward slash events and the archive of that will be published in next week's episode of Braillecast. If you like what you've heard on Braillecast, you can subscribe. You can find us wherever you find your podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts and of course the full range of smart speakers and you can find us on the web at braillecast.com You can follow the Braillists Foundation on Twitter at Braillists and you can email help at braillists.org For now I've been Matthew Horsepool Thanks very much for joining us and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Braillecast. Bye for now Bye for now